poet John O'Donohue asks us to consider the beauty of human hands. He writes, Touch and the world of touch bring us out of the anonymity of distance into the intimacy of belonging. Humans use their hands to touch, to explore, to trace, and to feel the world outside of them. Hands are beautiful. Kant says that the hand is the visible expression of the mind. With your hands, you reach out to touch the world. In human touch, hands find the hands, face, or body of the other. Touch brings presence home. The energy, warmth, and invitation of touch come, ultimately, from the divine. The Holy Spirit is the wild and passionate side of God, the tactile spirit whose touch is around you, bringing you close to yourself and to others. That from Anamkara by the late John O'Donohue, poet and former priest. Because her eyes sparkle so, because her smile is alive and her face so warm and welcoming, we might not, at first, notice her hands, but she moves her hands almost musically, not dramatically, but softly and with grace. A professor once said, you have the hands of a sculptor, almost as if sanctioning her in her creative life work. Marywood University's 10th Annual Community Leadership Celebration will honor Professor Emerita of Art, Sister Cor Immaculatum Heffernan IHM, this Thursday, May 4th, at 5.30 on the campus. Sister Cor will receive the university's Lead On Award in recognition of her lifelong commitment to education, to service, and to the common good. Much of her prolific career as an art educator was spent at Marywood, where she taught for 30 years and served as art department chair for 14 years until her retirement in 2008. She now holds the distinction of Professor Emerita of Art. As an artist, Sister Corps has been commissioned to create numerous sculptures, some of which can be seen throughout the country, including college, estate, wellness, and spiritual settings. Many of her sculptures and other works adorn the interior and exterior spaces at Marywood University and the IHM Congregation facilities. She's designed and published two books, including Spirit of Light and her most recent, Spirit Within, The Art of Sister Cor Immaculatum Heffernan, IHM. Earlier this year, she presented a retrospective exhibition for Spirit Within, featuring paintings calligraphy, prints, and sculptures at the Mahady Gallery at Marywood. In addition to her long career as a Marywood faculty member, Sister Core is a former Marywood trustee. She also has held membership and leadership positions with the Lackawanna Regional Cultural Council, Everhart Museum, Commission on Architecture and Urban Design, Scranton Diocesan Liturgical Commission, and Meals on Wheels. Sister Core has been honored by numerous entities for her achievements as an artist, art educator, arts advocate, and a dedicated woman of faith and service. Sister Core paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about the honor and about her work. And Patricia Rossetti, Leadership Annual Giving Officer at Marywood, was with her to talk about the event. Sister Core. I am very honored to be given this leadership award. When Sister Mary Persico 
asked me if I would accept it, I found myself tearing up because I have such love for Marywood and for the IHM sisters, and I have known them all my life. From the time I was in grade school, I was taught by the IHM sisters in Forest Hills, New York. And then I came here to college, and it was Marywood, and then I entered. And so my time has really been many, many years. And actually, on the campus, or, or very close to it, for 68 of those years or more. <laughs> that says volumes, Sister Cor, and I'm curious, as a little one, what were those sisters modeling for you in the classroom? They were fantastic teachers. But one of the things was their tremendous joy. They liked one another. They were happy. And little children can pick up all kinds of things. But they knew that the sisters liked one another, and they knew that the sisters loved them. And so my elementary school education was filled with joy. Were you a little artist then? Were you drawing and painting? What were you doing art-wise? I think I was, but I never had formal training, and I didn't have it in high school either, and I didn't have it at Marywood. How did you come to it then, (laughs) sister? Well, I always wanted to be an artist. I always saw in 3D, I'd look at clouds and see animals or figures in them. I'd, I'd put rocks on my dresser at nighttime, and in the morning I'd turn them around and find things in them. And I just always thought and saw in 3D. When we were little, my mother and father used to take us on Sundays. We lived in New York City, and we would go to the Met and see one thing. And I remember going to the Egyptian place, and that really struck me when I saw a reconstructed wooden boat that was right from Egypt. And, and then we'd go to the museum, the next time, Museum of Natural History, and see one thing. The library, one thing. We were very fortunate that way. And music was always part of our family, too, so music and, and art. Uh, I have been very blessed. I really have. And... When I went to college, I asked my parents if I could major in art, and the answer was, you are going to college to work, not to play. (laughs) So I took English and social studies, and the liberal arts were so very important because now they are really like poetry and literature and scripture. That's where my ideas come from, the concepts. But then when I, after I entered the convent, I had graduated from Marywood, the superior general at the time had been my grade school principal. And she said to me, what would you like to do? I said, I always wanted art. So they sent me back to Marywood on Saturdays and in the summer. And when I had enough credits, I applied for the University of Notre Dame. And that's where I got my master's work in sculpture. What was significant about studying sculpture at Notre Dame? Was there a wonderful program there? Were there great teachers? There was a very fine program. At the time, Father Anthony Lauk was head of the department. He was a sculptor and very well known. But Ivan Mestrovich, the great Croatian sculptor, was there. And he would hold your work in his hands and critique it. He would walk through the studios and uh, look at our work. And I always felt it was almost like sanctifying what we were doing. And I remember when I first went there, 
uh, halfway through the first course I took in sculpture with Father Lauk. It was an eight-week summer course. All day long, we just did sculpture. And halfway through, he said to me one day, "Uh, Sister, where did you get your undergraduate work in sculpture? And I had to say, I never had it, Father. And he smiled, and he looked at me, and he said, you have the hands of a sculptor. So that was such affirmation. It was wonderful. Did you begin with clay? I began first with wood, especially like cherry and black walnut and ebony, which is a very hard wood, then worked with some clay. And I also used stone, alabaster especially. And it was the subtractive method. You take your chisel, you knock things off in all of those. But my most recent work when I was on sabbatical in New York in the early 90s, I learned how to do the sculpture that is bronze. So then you, you make the figure in clay, then you do a rubber mold, and then you make a waxen figure, make all your corrections on the wax, and then you pour the bronze and do the patina. And so it's a, it's a different process, and it's been wonderful for the commissions that I've had to use that because where wood is wonderful, I love the grain of the wood. You can just see the way the grain goes and and your tool follows the grain of the wood. But the thing that really is difficult about that is that if it's not in the right climate, it can crack and it can check. So it's not as stable and you wouldn't put it out of doors and expect it to really last long. And how far and wide have your works been seen? Well, they've been in Canada. Uh, They were exhibited in Italy, and they've been all over this country. Speaking of Italy, have you had the experience that we all hear about Michelangelo and staring at the block of stone, letting it tell you what it wants? Yes, because it emerges. And even with marble, marble also does have markings. And you know when you tap the stone and you can tell if there's a hollow place, then you try to avoid that because you might just hit (laughs) the tool and a whole block comes off. But there is something inside that just comes forth. It's revealed. It's very beautiful. Do you work with imagery that is spiritual, holy, inspired by your faith mostly, or does it vary? I think it varies. I love, for example, the poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins, The World is Charged with the Grandeur of God. It will flame out like flaming from shook foil. And that gives me an image. And then to do a work from that, uh, Francis Thompson's poem, The Hound of Heaven, where he feels that he's a rabbit, a hare, and he's being chased by a hound. And he tries to find peace, and he finds it in all the wrong places. His life is dissolute, and he runs away through drugs, through alcohol, and he still hears those feet following him and coming closer and closer. Finally, he thinks that he has found it, or will find it, in the eyes of of children, and even they can't give him the peace. So he finally turns around and stops, and he turns around, and he looks, and he sees 
that the hound is really God. And as he turns around in the sculptures that I've, I've done of the two figures, it's like humanity touching the divine because there he knows, because the divine says to him in the end of the poem, Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. And you drive love away from you if you drive me away. So poetry does it, and John O'Donohue's work just produces images in my mind. And so in the new book that I did, I did it specifically to take every step from the concept, where I got the concept, and then every step of the process and the final works of art. And it really is prayer, meditation and prayer. And I think those who have read the book and read especially the concept behind a work, they have felt that they were spending hours in prayer. What's the title of the book, Sister? Spirit Within. And then it's like dot, 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 the art of Sister Cormac, Spirit Within. You talked about, when you were describing the storyline of the Thompson poem, the turning. How do you, as a 3D artist working in marble or stone or even wood, how do you give us a sense of aliveness or movement in that sense? Really, I think a good sculptor always has the person walk around. So there is that movement around. It's never looking directly at something. You you are able to walk around. And with some of the really deep work that I have done, I've used not, for example, a realistic representational figure, but I've stylized it so that anyone looking at the sculptures, for example, this Hound of Heaven sculpture, you know, Ah, Fondest, Blindest, Weakest is the name of it, that the person viewing it hopefully will be able to put themselves right there and and maybe see themselves turning and touching divine. How about scale? People can't see you, and I hope they've met you, sister, but you're <laughs> petite. Do you work big? Yes, I, I do. But I work in a studio in New York, the Ranieri Studio. It's a very small place, and it's a three-generation Italian family. And whenever I go down there, they will give me at least one helper to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And they've been so wonderful. And I've been working with them, especially on the enlargement, since about 1991 or 1992. So they know what, who you are, and you know who they are, and you can work together, That's right. collaborate. That's right. They will never do a next step if I'm not there. And all the corrections, I work right along with them. And even with the patina, the six-foot statue might be hanging from the ceiling and men on ladders with blowtorches, but I'm there saying, I want this chemical used, I want that chemical used. So it's, it's a wonderful process. And when we hear about three generations in their family, it's such a traditional way of working, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. It is. It can be done, a lot of it can be done now, using a 3D machine. I have used that for only one piece, and I did you know, a seven-piece collection for a place in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and it's Stone Gables Estate. They have almost 300 acres there, 
and it's a very beautiful, beautiful estate, a very, very Christian-oriented, but also very historical. It's the estate through which Abraham Lincoln's body was taken by train after he died, and they have reconstructed and have a train right on the, the campus there. They have the Stations of the Cross. Uh, they have bought the Star Barn, which is a collection of, of very historical barns, and they bought them from an elderly gentleman and his wife who were in the middle of the town, and developers wanted to tear down the barns and develop the land, and they sought the owner of Stone Gables Estate, and he bought it and then had the Amish restore it to what they were in the beginning. And it's now used for all kinds of conferences, weddings. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful estate. And they commissioned me to do something. They had three grandchildren who died before they were born, twins and another girl, and they're buried on the estate. And they asked if I would do St. Francis. And when I saw the space in the middle of the woods, I knew it just couldn't be St. Francis with a little doe sitting, you know, or that. So he is uh, six feet tall, and he's standing in the forest praising God with his arms raised, and the doe is five feet, the wolf is four feet, the squirrel and the rabbit are larger than life size, and, the, and there are two birds. And I tried when I, I had all the models made, but they really wanted to see if I would like something, the small model, the maquette, before it was poured or anything, if it were modeled in 3D from a drawing. And so they did it. And as I looked at it, I thought, it turned out beautifully, but it didn't have the life. It didn't, I didn't get the feel of, of moving the clay and, and working on the, on the wax. It's very, very different. I, I think, I think an artist's whole being, if the person is really an artist, goes into the process. We can think of the title of your book, Sister, The Spirit Within, and imagine the spirit within you, the artist, that's expressed without in, in your work. Do you have a project right now? Are you working on something? <laughs> the one thing I'm working on is a piece of tiger eye alabaster that weighs about 60 pounds. And Remember before when I said tapping it and making sure, well, I didn't tap in the right place. And I, uh, so I am still trying to, to see what the stone is telling me to do because it's not what I sort of thought it might be. So that's still ahead of me. But it sounds as if you're longing, you're yearning to be an artist and following the steps that brought you to where you are in the context of these wonderful sisters. You couldn't imagine anything better? No. I think when you asked before about what I really thought of when I was in school, I think if I look back at the founding of our congregation, the founders were dreamers, and they, they thought of things that could be, and how they might be able to serve and help it to be. And I felt the same about the founding of Marywood University, that a Catholic women's college 
and education of women was not very strong at that time, in 1915. And so, and their whole thing was to serve what were the needs of the people at that time and how we could serve. And a lot of it was through education, but it didn't have to be, and even today, it doesn't have to be education in a formal setting. When we look at all the different works of the IHM sisters today, Friends of the Poor, St. Joseph's, the Nativity Miguel School, all of the different ways and all of the different programs at Marywood University, they are all service-oriented. And it's so much part of the expectations of the students that they are being taught to serve through leadership, through ethical decisions that they make. And I think that's really one of the reasons that I feel so strongly about education and what Marywood University is doing through its scholarships. So many of the students are on scholarship, almost 98% of the students. And there are hundreds and hundreds of families that have provided scholarships. And so many of these students, even at the, at the luncheon the other day, were saying how they would never have been able to come to college and further their education at all if they didn't have that scholarship aid. And almost every one of them has chosen fields where they are able to serve others, to build community. And so I feel very strongly that the leadership celebration for scholarships for the students is so very, very important. Tell us about the celebration and what will take place and how is it going to unfold? Well, you see, this is a very special part of my job because I get to work with very exceptional honorees. So the celebration is to bring the community together to honor a person who has lived a life of service and giving back. And this year, because it's the 10th year and because Sister Cora is our honoree, we are having a special art auction. And the most exciting piece, as Sister referred to, fondest, blindest, weakest, Sister has graciously donated. And we have several other wonderful pieces, an oil painting by Collier Parker, who is current faculty at Marywood, a print by Peter Hoffer. He is former faculty at Marywood. And we have three pieces of ceramic, bloom white ceramics, a vase, a bowl depicting colonial America, and a platter. And they are all going to be for auction at this very special event. And the proceeds from the auction will go to Sister Kaur's scholarship, which was endowed by her students. And it will go to a master's in visual arts. The date will be Thursday, May 4th, coming right up, 5.30 p.m., it will be held in the Center for Athletics and Wellness right on Marywood's campus. And it's a very fun event, casual seating, um, hors d'oeuvres, upscale cocktail party, great fun. Patricia Rossetti, Leadership Annual Giving Officer at Marywood University, and Sister Cor Immaculatum Heffernan, IHM, here to tell us about Sister Cor and her work and about Marywood University's 10th Annual Community Leadership Celebration to honor Professor Emerita of Art, Sister Cor, this Thursday, May 4th, 
at 5.30 p.m. at the Center for Athletics and Wellness on the university campus. During the celebration, Sister Corps will receive the university's Lead On Award in recognition of her lifelong commitment to education, to service, and to the common good. And as we heard, there will be an art auction, and the event will include a piece of Sister Corps, the one based on the Francis Thompson poem. For more information on the web, marywood.edu slash clc, marywood.edu slash clc. It's the 10th Annual Community Leadership Celebration at Marywood University to honor our guest today, Professor Emerita of Art, Sister Cor Immaculatum Heffernum IHM, this Thursday, May 4th at 5.30 p.m. at the Center for Athletics and Wellness on the university campus. For more information on the web, marywood.edu slash clc.